three, two, one. How do everybody? Welcome everyone to episode 160, 160, 160 of the No Normal Show brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, boring, etc., etc., in the dust and celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future at all, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I'm your co-host, Chris Bevelo. Chief Brand Officer at Revive. I am joined today by co-host Des Duncan, Vice President of Health Equity and Inclusion at Revive. Hello, Des. Good morrow, Chris. Good morrow. Also with us, though, in a compromised audio position is Luke McCandless, Brand and Growth Coordinator and Producer of the show. So Luke is waving at the audience. He cannot speak. He can speak, but we wouldn't be able to hear him well. So he's waving, giving us a thumbs up making some other gestures. So it's, that's just us. Stephanie's off somewhere. I don't know where Stephanie is. Can't keep track of that gal. She's somewhere. <laughs> it's just us, Des, you and I, two voices to carry this show. We've got good, this is going to be a positive episode. Last episode was a bit of a downer, had to be given the topic, but today we're going to lift it back up and we're going to have some positivity starting with the most important thing to talk about, the Emmys. The nomination for the Emmys are out, Des. What's your first take? Um, first take is it's very interesting that like there's like a handful of shows that have like all the nominations, right? Like you look at the best supporting actor in a comedy series, uh, actress, it like well, especially the actress one, it all comes from the Abbott Elementary team. Uh, as well as, oh, where's my list? A couple of others, but like what's dominating is White Lotus, um, Ted Lasso, some Secession. But yeah, it's interesting. I'm excited, but I am, I'm team Abbott Elementary and all the things. I'm rooting for everybody in Abbott Elementary. So that's interesting. The first thing I see is so many awards because they like split them between drama, comedy, musical, short film, series under six, 14 or more episode series. <laughs> what well, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's too much. And also a whole bunch of nominees per. So like lead actor in a drama series has six people in it. Um, so, so that's my first takeaway. But what I will say is I saw somebody, and I don't remember who it was online, so I would give you credit if I can remember, who said we shouldn't have any, we shouldn't have any articles about snubs because it's, there's so much good stuff out there. You know, they're trying to like have a ton of awards and a ton of nominees. There's no way to capture all the good stuff. So I don't know if there are any snubs when I, when I look at these lists that are, they're like blatantly like, I have one. I have one, one snub. Um, I I don't understand why the boys gets no love. The boys is I mean it's pretty, it's it's pretty dark. It's pretty gratuitous. So I get that part of it, but man, it's got to be one of the most. Other than Succession, I would say it's one of the most sar- sharply written shows. The guy who plays kind of the 
antagonist, the main antagonist. It's a character called Homelander. He's kind of like a douchey Superman. He's got to be one of the best bad guys in entertainment right now. And so, so that's the only one where I go, wow, you really, there's no, like no writing for that. There's no, like that, I don't know what his name is, but the, the actor who plays Homelander. Um, so that's, that's the only snub I have. Do you have snubs? Um, I guess I, it's not necessarily a snub, but maybe it's like, oh, has this show ran its course? And that's, this is us. <laughs> right. It's not on there, right? Yeah. There's nothing on there, which I'm honestly fine with. Like it was reminding me of like modern family that always dominated, uh, and other shows like that, where they just have this like super family oriented, domineering, dominating, uh, show. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I I did hear like, not necessarily a snub, but it was surprising given, I think it's this last season. Um, to me, that'd be like throwing days of our lives on this list. Like, no, 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 (laughs) no way does that show equal the dramas that I see on here. And I've seen all of the dramas. Not all the way through. So I gave up on Better Call Saul because it was just boring me a bit. Euphoria, incredible. Ozark, incredible. Yeah. Severance, like generationally incredible. Squid Game, incredible. Stranger Things, entertaining. Succession, in my top five TV shows of all time. Same. And Yellow Jackets. It's like, no, you can't put This Is Us in there. Come on. And it's nice. I mean, maybe it's like one last go for like what Marvelous Mrs. Maisel <laughs> which I'm ready for that to go. I didn't even realize they had a season out. I thought they had ended like years ago because like literally no one's talking about it, but there's like a couple of last ditch efforts uh, for Tony Shalhoub and uh, Rachel Brosnahan and all that. And it's like, I'm no, we're done here. Yeah. Goodbye. I, the thing too, that's telling to me is I just went through the drama series and said, I seen all of them, almost all of them all the way through. And the ones not most of the way through, that is the opposite for comedy. Like that just tells you like what I'm spending time on. Never seen Abbott, never seen Hacks, never seen Mrs. Maisel, never seen Only Murders. Love what we do in the shadows, but it's just kind of like, eh, I need like some ice cream after my dinner uh, in terms of entertainment. Ted Lasso, I can take or leave. Barry, couldn't stick with it. You're such Kirby. a curmudgeon. <laughs> Why? Like, all, all the joy that's in television, you're like, eh. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> no, I just, it's just like, I don't, I don't know. It's too, I don't, I can't get into a comedy enough. So, but then you go back to limited series and I think I've seen like Pam and Tommy getting nominated. That makes up for the boys. Cause that show is amazing. White Lotus was amazing. Dropout was amazing. So, so yeah, Pam and Tommy yeah. is kind of a comedy. I, I do. It's on my list. And now that I'm seeing that it's actually nominated, because sometimes you'll see a show, especially on Hulu, and you're like, mm, is this actually good? Oh, this is so good. But now I'm going to actually go back and watch it because I do remember that era. Sebastian Stan is Tommy Lee. I mean, it is the same dude in look, in, yeah. you know, just his mannerisms, his personality. And then the woman, and I can't think of her name, she got nominated too who plays Pamela Anderson is also phenomenal. It's just a, they're kind of dopey morons in a way, but you just love them because there's an innocence to them, particularly for most of the show. Plus it just brings back like so many memories of that time for me. So it's great. I recommend that show. 
The other interesting piece is the on the limited and anthology series. They're all based off most of them, except for one white Lotus is all fiction, but the rest of them are based off of real uh, things that have happened. Have you seen dope sick? I really kind of want to watch dope sick. I've seen the first couple of episodes of it. And then I don't know, something shiny ran across and I switched shows, but it is on my list to go back and finish because it, it was pretty good. Um, I think some folks have said that it's a little heavy handed um, uh, and it's delivering oh. a couple things, but it's, it's, it was pretty good from what I remember. Is it making, is it too hard on the Sackler family? Like, <laughs> I don't think Just that's possible. Harsh. You can't be too harsh on the Sackler family or no, those that enabled them. Dropout is phenomenal. And there was another one, um, the Uber, and, the Uber show is not on here. I haven't got to that yet, but there was one other. Inventing Anna. No, it's not oh. on here. There's a, there's another reality based like the dropout. Like, there's like three of them all about, oh, we were, we were crashed. Yeah. I can't believe that's not on here or that those two characters weren't nominated because they were insanely good. Both of that's a snub. That's Both a snub. Uh, Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway deserved nominations. I'd heard another sub uh, snub was for the Bel Air series. The drama version of The Fresh mm-hmm. Prince of Bel-Air, which I never watched because I just couldn't fathom. When I watched the trailer, and maybe I hadn't even seen the trailer, but I saw the SNL uh, skit on it where they did the same treatment to Family Matters and made it very serious. It was hilarious. And I was like, wait, this is a thing. It's a riff off of what they're doing with The, with the Fresh Prince. And yeah. I just, I don't know. It feels weird to watch it as a drama. Like I just, yeah. I can't Not bring myself list. to do it. Not on my mm-hmm. list. All right, so that's our Emmy wrap-up. We'll see who wins. Um, I hope it's Succession in all ways because that is the best show by far. So Facts. That. All right, so let's move on. Uh, we're we're going to talk again about the fifth prediction in the book, which if you remember or you, you, you didn't listen to the last episode or you haven't seen the book, uh, it's called Disparity Dystopia. It's our prediction that over the next decade, the health gap in this country, which is essentially those who benefit greatly from our healthcare system and those who suffer health disparities and health inequities, that that gap is growing, that the haves are going to have it better and the have nots are going to have it worse. So we kind of dove into that last week. We introduced it. That's why it was such a, a down show because there's no way to say that that's a positive thing. No, it's hard to come at it. But today we're going to start bringing it back up uh, by talking about what we can do overall to, to start really addressing this issue. And then the next show might not be the very next show, but either one of the next two shows when Stephanie's back, we will talk about what marketers can do specifically. And we'll touch on that today. Uh, but, but a lot of this is captured in a blog that Des has written. Uh, and we'll provide a link to that in the show notes. But Des, why don't you start us off? And we're thinking about, because for sure, one of the greatest takeaways of, of this chapter, in fact, we had a book club in the agency last week this week, holy cow, was this week around this topic is it's so hard to get your arms around everything and it just feels so depressing and negative that you kind of just want to like turn away and, and do something else. So let's talk about how do we overcome that in, in how do we actually think about rectifying the health gap that we have? Yeah. And, um, you know, we interviewed a number of health system leaders uh, and marketing leaders across the country. 
just to kind of get their their thoughts and their input and how they're thinking about it, maybe how their organization is addressing it. And, you know, you mentioned the health gap in the, in the book, um, but what we found in that was also that there was this gap in trust, right? You know, can I trust my, you know, doctors or health system to, you know, give me the right care? Can I trust that they're not going to um, let bias you know, infiltrate how they're treating me or how they're diagnosing me, or if they're actually going to ask me the questions, um, you know, that they ask all people. Cause you know, that's a, a part of it. There's been, um, just some anecdotal conversations just, you know, around, you know, private groups around their actual experiences. And, but a lot of this comes to the fruition of, in the understanding of what the patient experience is, um, and then also what we're seeing and hearing and like all the conversations and all of the, the rumors and the growing health sex and all that. But essentially what needs to happen is that systems need to build trust among these communities and in some ways rebuild trust. Um, so, for example, um, creating trust among communities of color. You know, this is the health system burden, health systems burden and not the patient's. A lot of times when we hear things, it's it's from the perspective of like, oh, like, so I'll, I'll use this example of like, you know, getting a bank loan where you'll hear the, the headline of essentially like, oh, you know, black families can't get uh, bank loans. When in reality, it's more so about the bank loans or banks will not give loans to black families. Um, so it's really about that you know, flipping it on how it's been, like, what's the story that we're telling here? And like, what's the actual truth behind it? So it's about rebuilding and building trust where trust did not exist. And that trust requires listening. Uh, so listening to those who have been historically ignored, overlooked, um, not considered, um, and that you're demonstrating an ongoing commitment, you know, by action. Um, I know that there's a, a partner of ours, a health system, Northern Light Health, who um, throughout these last couple of years, their CEO came in. They've been doing gangbusters when it comes to really understanding what's going on in the community of health disparities. Their CEO stood up a still ongoing podcast that's really getting at the root of this, where he himself is listening directly to folks uh, about what their experiences have been. Um and that there, are, I know there's a number of other um, examples of that, but essentially it's about that that building trust and listening, um, and then doing something with it. It's one thing to like ask people, you know, tell me what's going on. It's like it, it's another thing to put that into action, or do the research yourself because you know we're not here to to tell you how to address a problem that you know maybe was created by you, as an example. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what you're talking about reflects just like, this dumbs it down a little bit, but I still think it's important, the idea of active listening and and what it means to listen. So mm-hmm. you, you just hit on a couple things there with the CEO of Northern Light. Um, and I think like you just have to remember, like listening is first and foremost about really demonstrating not just through words, but but your body language, your focus, that you're in the conversation to hear what somebody else has to say. And there, there are a, a number of things you can do to demonstrate that. But if you're, you know, if you're distracted, if you're on your phone, like this is like individual conversations, obviously, but even in group conversations, like a podcast, there are ways to demonstrate that. 
Um, the idea that if you're truly listening, you don't respond with an answer every time. Mm-hmm. You, in fact, a lot of people try to respond with an answer before the person's even done talking. Because if, if I'm saying to you, CEO of any health system, you guys have really treated us poorly in the past and, and you're just crafting your response, as you craft your response, you're not listening. Mm-hmm. So you're truly not listening if you are building a response while somebody else is talking. And so you have to wait. And, and even then when they're done talking, um, in this kind of scenario, it's not about a response right then, particularly a defensive response, a, a rationale, a reason, no matter how legitimate, because that can just sound like I'm here to defend, mm-hmm. right? So so that's part of it. And then you, you mentioned the last one does, the idea of like, and then you have to like, you don't have to agree to do everything, but if, if you're going to listen to people in this way on this topic, you should be committed to actually trying to evoke change based on what you're hearing to whatever degree makes sense. Yeah. And as I will often say, and I'm sure the listeners will be get tired of me hearing me say this, but it's, you know, stop shouting stats at me of, you know, what's happening. What are some solutions that you are looking and how are you going to address it? You know, we can't just flag that, oh, we are aware that this is happening. It's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? Um, I'm all, I think also about this when it comes to listening, there's so much to be applied here from our, um, like personal relationships and how we can better relate to one another, understand, listen, that we can apply here of, you know, you don't want to just continue the cycle of going back and forth and fighting and you're just stating your answer. It's more like, okay, let me reflect on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and get back to you on how I can show up better. Um, yes. this, this applies here. And from a marketer's um, standpoint, you know, this is important to you as well for the growth, right? You're tasked with helping drive growth and volume for the organization. So what better opportunity than there is for you to do some more, you know, social listening, community listening, um, and then applying some of those approaches to the way that you're communicating as well as, and I know that you don't have a total hand and patient experience, um, but there might be some insightful um, information that can be brought forth um, to the internal clinician and operational teams of what can be adjusted or find out what they are doing so then you can communicate that. Yeah. Yep. I think all, all that's right. And, you know, it, it makes me think of, this is like basic human skills 101, but boy, so many people forget it. You go, you go to a party, you go to a barbecue, there's nothing worse than running into somebody and all they do is talk about themselves and their lives and oh they God, show yeah. no interest in you at all. Um, you know, I know some people like that and it's painful and you try to raise something and they immediately bring it back to themselves. So an example of this applied to, you know, if you're listening to people in the community, it would be waiting for your moment to talk about all the things you're doing as a health system. That if you're in a, a genuine conversation and you're genuinely trying to listen to people, the moment you do that, you're going to you're going to give away the ghost that this was this was all about. I've mm-hmm. let you kind of you know have your say, and now I get to talk about all the great things we're doing. Um, and that again is just like most people will go, okay, so that's what this is about. You really it wasn't really about listening and taking in and and absorbing it and considering it. 
it was just a means for you to talk about yourself. Yeah. Like with you saying that it, it, it comes up as well around, okay, we are doing these things, but how can we more so demonstrate this and build trust with the community rather than just saying what we're doing? Like what's a way that we can demonstrate it so that it feels like authentic, you know, and not just, you know, talking points and PR points and whatnot. All right. So what else we got? What else we got is redefining community. You know, historically health systems have maybe focused more on uh, different demographics like income, you know, location, region, zip codes where you live uh, to inform, you know, growth opportunities. Um, but, you know, we should really should be turning that on its head and that essentially a community is conceived of as one across the economic spectrums. And all of these folks should stand shoulder to shoulder in the sense that, you know, depending on where you land on the socioeconomic status, um, if you are insured by your employer, if you are, you know, whether you are insured by, you know, government entities, you know, that essentially you should be getting the health care that you need, you deserve. We have a hiccup in this, just giving our, you know, the way capitalism is set up, um, there's things to take into consideration. But the more that you can grow your base by actually addressing the needs of those that you've been ignoring historically, the more opportunity you have to grow. Because this is a, for example, a multiculturally growing nation. You know, like we hear the term like, oh, well, like minority, you know, communities, yada, yada, yada. You know, these communities that have been minoritized, they're not minorities in the sense of the world. The majority of the world is diverse and we're just going to continue to grow even more. So there is that opportunity to speak to those that you have not been in a redefining community where you show up in the community, like get out there. It's one thing to market ads and all that. It's another thing to actually show up and be a part of the community and where people are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It, it is. I like that you called capitalism a hiccup. That's <laughs> probably the, a the mere greatest, <laughs> the greatest understatement in the history of podcasts to say that, you know, in healthcare, in our, in our country, capitalism provides a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup and <laughs> serving people equally and, and well, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's always interested. I'm. This is going off in a rabbit hole now, but like we have agreed as a country. Well, we had agreed. I guess we shouldn't say we agree anymore. There are areas in it of our lives that we have agreed should not be beholden to pure capitalism. Food production is an example. We will pay farmers not to grow food to make sure we have a balanced food supply and that it doesn't become out of reach in terms of cost that we don't run out. Because we recognize we got to have food to thrive, right? We used to have this with education. We used to have an understanding that public education is critical. Uh, I, that seems to have disintegrated to, to, in many ways, I think, to the great detriment for country that maybe it gets too political. But there's still an understanding. Military, right? Even the military is a huge part of our capitalist society. There are elements of it that we manage um, and so we're kind of like half in and half out with healthcare. And unfortunately, I think it's like both, you know, it's like the worst of both worlds is how I would put it. 
Yeah, it all definitely reminds me of, you know, the cyclical nature of, you know, we went from redlining districts to gentrification. Well, from redlining to white flight to gentrification, where it's just this cyclical piece of moving the chips around of like where is desirable to live and what isn't, where isn't desirable to live and adjusting accordingly. And getting to the education piece, you know, this was huge in the 80s and 90s um, with rezoning in the sense that um, a lot of families moved out to the suburbs in order to get, quote unquote, you know, better education for their children. Right. But then as, you know, certain urban cores became more, you know, popular and the communities that were left there is like made the best of and started to really thrive then that's being taken over again. So like, what's going to be the version of that that's happening, you know, with health? Um, You know, we're looking at it again from education standpoint, where a lot of folks are opting to, instead of public education, they're opting to private, uh, to homeschooling, to uh, magnet focused only, you know, because everything else is seen as, you know, less than uh, perception wise. You know, what's, what is that going to look like from a healthcare standpoint and how can we adjust for that now, you know, to account for that now to ensure that that doesn't happen? Yeah. All right. So I think the last thing on our list is, is let's, we can touch on it, but we know we want to spend more time on it in an upcoming episode. And that is we've talked about some bigger ways to, to go about how do we solve for health disparity and health inequities how do we how do we address these uh let's bring it down to a marketer level though let's not go too deep because we want to we want to give a whole episode to that yeah i mean it's you know think about how you can make your consumers feel seen and heard you know within your brand and that it feels authentic you know it's one thing to start where you're like okay i'm going to make sure that the imagery that we have you know is diverse Um, But imagine the kind of trust you could build and the hope you could inspire if we spoke directly to those that have felt ignored. Um, There's a number of health brands, fashion brands out in the world um, that do uh, an excellent job of this. Um, I always go back to the the Gillette um, shaving uh, company where they, you know, had a campaign around um, trans men you know, and helping them feel seen in this brand. I'm thinking of Fenty Beauty uh, and showing all of the spectrum of body shapes, sizes, color spectrums, you know, from their, their, their makeup to their clothing, to the models, to the, um, what is it, the mannequins that they use for the models, you know, just think of all the opportunities that we have as a health brand to demonstrate that we are a part of your community. So showing up different media channels, print, where those folks are, be there and be a part of the conversation and not just be there to, you know, introduce, to say, hi, I'm here, but it's, you know, be there to be a part of the conversation. And if you don't know where to start, you can start with your own employer, employees. You know, they're a part of the community. They understand. They, like, yes, you know, they work for you, they're loyal, whatever, but they also understand the consumer perceptions of your organization and they're going to be your biggest brand ambassadors. So you need to chat with them about, hey, what is it? What's our perception? Like, what can we be doing? Where can we show up? Where can we partner? 
um, and to demonstrate that we are a part of this community and that we are here to serve you. Yeah. So we will, we will build on that. We'll, we'll have more specific strategies even the next time we get together again, either next week or the week after who knows, who knows, we'll keep it a surprise. Just like the Emmys. Who knows? When are the Emmys, by the way? I feel like it said September. No. That, know, like, lo- that far away? Uh, let me see. Let me double that check. seems like a long way away. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Do, 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 do. September 12th on NBC. Wow. I stand corrected. We'll but be if- at Shushmit, I believe. Is that a Sunday? I think that's a Sunday. Most likely. Uh, actually, it says a Monday, which feels Interesting. weird. We'll also be at Shushbid on that day, too. Maybe we'll have an Emmy viewing party at Shushbid. Yes. Or as some call it, Shushmid. Wow. Yeah. All right. We'll probably, we'll probably just leave it there. I think somebody needs to get some lunch. Yeah, you had too much coffee this morning. <laughs> oh, Des, thank you so much for, for diving into this and looking forward to more conversation on on disparity dystopia and what we can do about it. Yeah. Excited to talk about some more creative ideas of what to do and not the disparity of it all. Right. Right. Luke, thank you for everything you do. Luke again is wave. Luke, get off the chair. I don't know what he's doing now. He's jumping off the chair. I it's chaos. Okay. We'll just leave Luke alone (laughs) for the rest of you. Thanks for joining. Uh, if there's something you want us to cover, shoot us an email at normal at reviveagency.com. Make sure you share the show with friends and colleagues. Give us a review and rating on iTunes. All of that is appreciated. Please reach out, by the way. We'd love to hear from you guys. So shoot, shoot us that email I said before, normal at reviveagency.com. Until next time, do not, do not be satisfied with, I was going to think of a show. What's the show? Don't be satisfied with this is us. Push push the no normal, (laughs) y'all. Talk to you next week. Thanks for joining. Three, two, one.